Okay, motherfucker! What are you looking at, sir? I'm looking at you, miss. I certainly wouldn't tell you. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very special one Heat Minute Productions one-shot interview. And it was something I couldn't turn down. It's the incredible Ivan Sen behind Beneath the Clouds, behind Mystery Road, behind Goldstone, and now Limbo. His terrific new Mystery Road and Goldstone adjacent Outback Noir. Absolutely sensational movie. It's out in cinemas in Australia today, Thursday the 18th of May. You must check it out. We're going to listen to a trailer. We're going to dive into a great conversation that I have with Ivan about drafting him number one in screen drafts films of the century for Australia. We're going to talk about his love of Peter Weir and if we're ever going to get that cinematic sequel for Jace One and maybe something that resembles Witness of all things. Take a listen to the terrific trailer and then we'll dive straight into the interview. Hey, Ivan, how are you? Mate, how are you? I'm awesome. It is really great to talk to you. You are truly my favorite non-Peter Weir Australian filmmaker of all times, and you're still making them. So you're you're current number one. You're the winner. There you go. Well, Peter's my favorite. Oh, he is? Yeah, yeah. What's your your favorite Weir? Oh, look, well... The first one was was when I was young, like you know, the the Gallipoli was was that, yeah. and that 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 knocked me for six, um, and probably had an influence for the rest of my life from seeing that in the local Tamworth cinema when it came out, and um, yeah, I, I've 
Oh, I don't know. Witness is a great film. Witness is a sensational film. I think all of his films are great. He's got that rare thing where you can say he made a truly anti-war film, and it's they say it's almost impossible to do that. But Gallipoli is is that to bits. Yeah, he's um he's a bit special, and I don't think we'll see another one like him. No, except you, mate. <laughs> Sad he has to get old. Actually, it is. It is, but it's nice that he got an Oscar recognition this year or whatever it was earlier this year when he got the uh, special Oscar. That was really nice because, yeah, Witness Witness feels like a movie that you would make. You've got a Witness in you. I think a couple of your movies have got lots of Witness themes in them. Yeah, there's, there's a bit of Witness actually could be in a film. I mean, a, a sense of 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 a romance within a grasscape. <laughs> yeah. I think that's on the horizon. <laughs> Romance in a grasscape. That sounds good. Um, so I'm such a massive fan of yours. Um, and as I was saying, and I'm so glad to see you making films again. I'm a really thoroughly enjoyed limbo. And I just love that you're back on the road uh, is, do you make a conscious decision when you're thinking about films of like, all right, I'm about to go make another Ivan Sen road joint in Australia and just pick some unfathomable landscape to go and, uh, to go and sort of sketch this allegory against it. How do you, how do you work like that? Cause I look at limbo and I'm like, man, you could just make black and white road movies forever. We'd be happy consumers of your work. Oh, uh, there's always a pipeline, you know, there's a pipeline. And, um, I mean, sitting here now I've got kind of two, I've got two long form series in my head mm. and, um, at least three films features and it's just a matter of sitting down and working out how how which one can go first you know um and and it's very conscious and um but I like to choose I, I like to have things floating around but I like to choose one and just focus on that and okay this is the next film and you just focus heavily on that one film get it financed, get it shot and get it finished and get it out. Um, and this one ap- actually happened very, very quickly. Did it, you know, during the entire pandemic, um, obviously a lot of production that may have been international got like completely squashed and, and, and you know, weren't able to do the, filming in Australia, but then we saw an immense success with something like dry. And I think something like a great, you know, twisty genre thriller dry is coming off the back of your two amazing films that have now, you know, turned into bloomed into their own new series and prequel series and all that sort of stuff from mystery road and Goldstone is, is that, and I wonder with you particularly when I think about whenever I see your name on a new film that's coming out, I'm like, this guy writes this thing. He directs it. He produces it. He's often the cinematographer. Sometimes he's doing the score. Do you find that like, if you're going towards a feature, your reflex, your, you know, your sort of reflex at the moment is still a feature because you've got, you kind of like, you're the engine that makes that whole movie with your big, you know, team of actors and a few key crew members, or are you now finding yourself leaning more into the television landscape? Cause my selfishly, I'm like features only. I want to see your movies on a big screen. The funny thing is whenever I have decided to try and um, write a series for television or, or something like TV, um, I end up turning it into a film. Great. Is that what happened with Limbo? Um, 
Well, no, I think Cooper Petey's kind of, I was always going to do that with Cooper because because I just, yeah, Cooper Petey. I mean, Cooper Petey's got a series in it. Don't get me wrong. It's, it's <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like a modern a modern Deadwood just waiting to happen out there, mate. Yeah, it's really waiting, and and for some reason, no one actually you know can see what's in front of their face. It's just an <laughs> culture there, and the underground culture, um, in its many facets, and people just go out there to shoot bloody you know rocks and holes in the ground. <laughs> That's it, you know. <laughs> a lot more of a pity than that. Um, yeah, but you know, I in saying that, I the the series that I'm looking at. Uh, for me, and, and it can be a cliche, but for me, it's going to be an eight-hour film, you know. Yeah. And and seriously, you know, I will control everything. You know, I will just control it. And and for me, it's very important to design a film um, from the ground up these days. Um, I'm, I'm I'm really much more sensitive to design of the whole film, everything you see, everything you hear, and finding the perfect locations that kind of all connect together into this one thing and not actually just write something and okay how are we going to design it where are we going to set it none of that garbage the whole thing is focused from from the ground up and every detail is there because you want it to be there was that how limbo came about cuba Peter yeah. was always just kicking around in your head because yeah i mean besides the incredibly beautiful stark black and white cinematography it's just the whole thing was completely charged for me watching it. It's just charged yeah. with emotion, charged with story. And even just the dirt, you know, wiping the dirt off of a bench in a cafe or just like anything. It was just like the texture of it was all there. Um, so was that something that was just that, that, that Cooper grit couldn't get away from you. And you thought, how am I well, going to tell a story in this area? When I was, when I was shooting Goldstone out in the Queensland outback, I was, I had to finish a TV outline, which was basically um, went on to become the Mystery Road TV series, uh, series one, um, which I didn't do and I actually didn't write. And But I had set that series, the first Mystery Road TV series, I had set it in Cooper Pedy. Ah. And I, and I after shooting Goldstone, I thought, no, I'm not going to make any TV. I'm still, I'm not going to go into TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I said to my producers that, okay, you can, you, you take the mystery road thing and do this, do the TV show, but don't go near Cupidi with it. And which they were happy to do. They were going WA to, you know, chase the WA money over there and stuff. So um, they stayed clear of it. And um, there had been a few productions out there. And luckily, like I was saying, they just couldn't see the, the wood from the trees and stayed away from everything that I kind of wanted to concentrate on. <laughs> well, I was going to say to you that I spoke to you a few years ago, must've been right around the release of gold set, like 2016. So it's wow. It's like yeah. a long time ago now, seven years or whatever it is. And when I spoke to you at the time, Goldstone was just your, your baton pass between, you know, it was, it was leading into a trilogy and you said, I think I've got one more mystery road series in me. And was that Cooper Petey set mystery road thing that you were thinking of? Was that going to be the conclusion or it had, or it had it since branched into the TV as you're talking about? Um, no, I, I, I went back in back when I, um, uh, first thought about Cooper Petey as a location, I, I hadn't necessarily thought it was going to be a, a, a third Jace one film or, or a mystery road kind of film. Um, 
the 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 location just kind of um drew the story out it's just something mm. about the place and then once i felt like it could become black and white and it just this story of this this white cop this time and the black family and how they they interact and connect and not connect and and um and how they're damaged and how they're drawn together and it, it just really came out of that location just the feeling of the place um the atmosphere of the place so i kind of just tapped into that but um you know i do potentially have a, a third jace one film which i'm still you know um uh could be that um that grass fields the romantic romance in the grass <laughs> <laughs> jace one's witness i am in Jace yeah, well, it could be that, you know, it could be <laughs> Well, I, I'm I'm 100% down for that. Um, it's Simon Baker, I thought, who usually is known for being like this magnificently handsome Hollywood heartthrob. Um, you cover him, you, you give him a grubby, looks like self-done haircut, cover him in some tats, get him out having some kind of questionable questionable behaviors, but man, he was sensational in this movie. There's so many terrific actors you have in this movie. What was, was you and Simon, was that always something you wanted to do? Had you met each other? How did, how did that relationship come about? Because he seems extremely passionate about the film as, as you are. So um, as seeing, seeing you two tonight at the, prem, uh, the other night at the premiere. Um, so can you tell a little bit, tell us a little bit about how that relationship came to be? Yeah, it's funny, you know, the thing about, fleeting moments in your life um sometimes moments don't need to be very long as long as there's just a small con you know there's some kind of connection but um that the i met simon uh, in 2003 i think um i had a believe it or not a vampire script i was talking to him about a cool one hopefully but anyway that di that didn't happen and i had a meeting with him um we went to dinner one night um, in Sydney, and this was when he's in the middle of the the Guardian, and um, he's you know he's doing really well in America, and um, yeah, we made a connection, and but the film the film wasn't wasn't meant to be, um, which is probably the only thing that I I didn't really idea I didn't really follow up on to turn into a film, um, so and we met we may have met at the Sydney Film Festival for the Goldstone um, launch um, in. 2015 i think it was yeah and um we had a few words then and um but i've always been a fan of simon uh, i've always seen something in him that i think other people may not have seen i used i, I, w I wasn't a fan of of the 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 guardian real or, or the the mentalist or you know those shows he's done but I, i'm a fan of him and i always when i did see him in those shows i was interested in the scenes where he's just standing in the background being quiet and just communicating without having to talk and i felt that was a real strength of his and um that's something that i've always wanted to kind of have a chance to tap into cinematically and we got a chance to do it this time and and he he you know he jumped on board with that idea of of playing this character who who didn't have to talk and you could kind of read his thoughts or read his feelings um in you know in other ways and and that's kind of the main reason why he wanted to do the film yeah i agree there's this great moment he, he's in 
you know, in the other movie that two massive Aussies slash Kiwis blew up in LA Confidential, uh, Curtis Hansen's film from 97, you see some Simon Baker there. He's playing like this young actor who's getting coerced into be a prostitute. And there's this great moment where he's like, oh, happy and a pretty young man. And then you just see this like almost dark realization come behind his eyes, like that something could go wrong. And it's like a half second and you're like, oh my God, he's good. And then so many people don't do that. And what was so wonderful, I think it's like this naked authenticity you get to him with the character of Travis, where like, it's the most, there's no more artifice in front of him in a town where everyone is literally hiding their secrets down (laughs) like a maze or a cocoon of holes. Like he's the most honest guy. And I just thought I love that character interplay. And I love the concept of limbo as this, you know, liminal space that people would travel through to and, and Mm. maybe try and discard some secrets and then get the hell out of it, get the hell out of Dodge as it were. Yeah. It's a place, you know, um, I mean, they're, they're all living in their own personal limbo, all the characters and, um, and they're attracted to each other's limbo in a way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, and, and the, and the location just really was, it's the same story, really. I, I go somewhere and I get influenced by locations and, and the power of place really. And we, we, we're all products of our environment, whether we like yeah. it or not, you know, that's, that's the, that's the, the nature of evolution, you know? time has it has its way with us within a certain environment that's that's what everything is so um that's kind of the the core of my philosophy of filmmaking as well so when you were talking about some of the other you know the other stars of this movie shared their shared limbo if you like um i i really love rob collins who plays charlie but i i was even more interested in natasha wanganine who played Emma in the movie. She's just absolutely sensational. And I thought that for a movie where Simon Baker is unrecognizable, uh, I was looking at this young girl who we'd seen in such an iconic way in rabbit proof fence as a grown up person. And I couldn't disconnect from the persona. If you like, it was almost like, Oh, this like stark reality of like looking at this innocent young girl transitioning into this mom who's got lots of regrets. And I feel like you manipulated that perfectly when you were what when you were deciding to cast her in the movie was that something like conscious do you think about that with certain like tinkering with people's personas because i know with simon as you said he's this big booming persona but you like him in the quiet moments was it the same sort of sort of uh approach for natasha uh yeah yep i i mean it's an it's it it it, it's kind of molds into well it kind of merges into um an unconscious kind of focus and comes out of that at certain points. But I, I, I did ha- when I did um, first get in the room with Natasha and get her, got her to um, uh, do some, do some of the, the lines. I, I kind of got her into this, into a certain space, which may have been different for her and, really focus on what she was doing and, and how she was saying her lines. And, and, I, and I had a very strong um, um, idea of, of how she would look. And yes. She's never had a fringe in her life. She just, she's, <laughs> never, she's never had her hair in that kind of fringe. And even her friends, her family was saying, oh, my God, you look so different. Didn't recognize. 
and 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 this hair kind of makes her feel much younger and kind of vulnerable you know and like almost like a little girl as well um and she's obviously you know had a hard hard um childhood and but there's there's elements there that still feel like she's connected to the younger girls still and um you know a lot of that she kind of just has naturally and because she's really good with kids she's she's got a daughter and she's she's great with children and and when the camera wasn't rolling she was having a great time with the little girls and <laughs> um so yeah it's 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 all a combination of being conscious of things and and letting things kind of run on their own in an unconscious way and i think that's how you kind of develop characters when you're filming them you 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 control things and you let it run and then control them and let it run and otherwise it's all too controlling and and feels forced yeah i was it's interesting to hear you talk about um being very particular about a line reading because my my mind's eye when i think about you is like this great i guess structure of the stories you're very acutely aware of the story that you're telling in the arc that the character is going to go on, but it feels like it has such amazing freedom. And I think about exchanges with, you know, Aaron Peterson, um, in, in mystery road, whether it's something with like Hugo weaving, where it feels like there's like yawning gaps between them talking or reacting to one another or like a raised eyebrow. And it feels like it's just really interesting to hear you talk about the control there. Um, yeah, only have... a bit like jazz, you know, it's like, yeah. it's improvisation, but within with, with, with jazz, classic jazz there's always a structure that so they have a chance to improvise within that structure and then they move on to the next structured point and then do more improvisation and and so you can actually in a way when you've got structure you can explore more freedom well i i don't have much time more left with you but i would say as long as you're making and i could probably talk to you for another hour but as long as you keep uh making genre films in this country and then getting to do your jazz in between all the things that we love and expect. Um, I'm absolutely stoked and uh, I can't wait to see more. And finally, I don't know if you know this, but I wanted to tell you, have you heard of the show Screen Drafts? Have you heard of the show? No, no. There's a show called Screen Drafts. It's a podcast where they draft the best films in certain categories. And in the Australian 20th century category, I was lucky enough to be a drafter and we drafted Goldstone as number one oh. of the Australian films in the 20th century. Um, so 21st century, sorry. So I just wanted to share that with you just in case oh. you didn't know. I assumed you're not a very online person and you wouldn't have seen it, but I wanted to shout out that I think Goldstone's a stone cold masterpiece. It's one of my favorite films ever made in this country. You're one of my favorite filmmakers and it's an honor talking to you. And I'm really, um, really stoked that I've had a chance to see Limbo early and it's an absolutely beautiful film and just please keep making more of anything and uh, I'll be a rabid, rabid consumer. Oh, that sounds great. And um, yeah, thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you in the um, the romantic uh, grasscape. Um, I can't wait. I can't <laughs> wait. I'm excited. You'll see it. You'll see it. Aaron, Aaron Aaron Peterson doesn't know how much he's going to have to dress like a uh, <laughs> like an Amish person for the next one, but I'm excited to see his reaction to that uh, that request from well, you. Well, well, he's coming into the Amish community. <laughs> yes, yes, we love it. We love it.
And it feels like such a 20th century movie. It feels like something David Lean would have done or tried to do uh, when he still had that kind of currency. And even then he might not have succeeded. It's incredible because like if you if you don't have time to watch all five seasons of Lost, you can just watch Fearless. <laughs> Not a week goes by that I don't think of the ending of Gallipoli. It's left a mark, a uh, year of living dangerously, uh, you know, and then something like Last Wave, even that's so uh, deeply embedded with the land and the story of the land, the story of place. You know, I don't know that I'd seen very many movies at that point in my life that had such a down ending and they had such a you know sort of strong sense of folklore uh, 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 attached to it uh, as that and something always so poetic and lyrical about Peter Weir's work. Gallipoli was the first movie that ever traumatized me and I don't think I ever really recovered from it <laughs> and I'm still upset that they played it in school. Like I don't think it's actually possible to make an they say it's not possible to make an anti-war movie but I think Peter Weir pulled it off. Because yes. no one watches that movie then thinks, I want to go to war. Uh, Peter Weir is the greatest director that Australia has ever produced. Like, bar none, hands down. Like, no yeah. one else is even in the room. I think you have covered some really titanic filmmakers and some really titanic films so far. But I, I truly think what makes Peter Weir special and what makes you doing this one special is we don't talk about Peter Weir that way. And we should. Peter Weir is one of those guys who I don't get why he isn't a bigger name why he isn't more in that rarefied air yes. because i think film for film he's one of our very best filmmakers he has brought his a game repeatedly to <laughs> many properties there are films of his that i hold very dear fearless uh you know uh, the mosquito coast i will fight somebody if they talk bad about the mosquito coast it's man i love that movie but in general i just think he is a special filmmaker, a smart, lyrical, um, hallucinatory filmmaker. He's a very dreamy filmmaker, and I don't think he gets his due. You know, Master Commander is one of my all-time favorite movies. Uh, you know, it's, uh, easily one of the best movies of the last 20 years. It's, uh, uh, you know, it's a grand scale. There's a historical backdrop to it, but at the same time, there's a, such an intimacy in the relationships. Uh, which I think is not just a great film and one of the last great epics in the truest sense. Um, I, I think is actually kind of a sliding doors change point moment in, in cinema history. I think 2003 when that comes along and it is a an old fashioned, you know, we don't make them like that anymore type film. I think if Master and Commander spawns a franchise at that point, the entire cinema landscape globally is completely different. That, that's the movie that I wanted to see 10 of those, you know. Uh, and, you know, I know they're big fans of Fast and Furious and everything, and God bless you, but Master and Commander <laughs> should have been. It's one of those things, again, I I am not, uh, I'm not a seafaring man, sir. <laughs> but there is a sense of authenticity. There's a sense of really watching a, a genuine dedication to recreating history unfold on a big screen in front of you that can't help but inspire just genuine admiration and awe. If you're gonna pick a film where he really brings every one of his skills to the table, it's Master and Commander. I think you picked the right one, man. Yeah, very excited to see what you you pull, you pull out of this, Blake. That's right. Our next series is Peter Weir and Russell Crowe's Master and Commander. The series is called Podcaster and Commander. <laughs>